smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Oh, finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh, my word! What a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Beautifully done, sensational. Coming up on Le Bourgeois, Lille and Paris Saint-Germain fire blanks, but it is very, very tight at the top as Lyon wrought a victory at Nice. Marseille are stuttering as AVB lets his temper get the better of him and Rennes continue their revival. It is almost Christmas time, but we are still here. The league on action is still going. We've got another round on Wednesday night before we can uh, clock off uh, for our Christmas break. But uh, Robbie Thompson and David Crossan are, are, are present this morning. Robbie, how are you? Very well, Matt. Looking forward to the last round of matches and Christmas. Yeah, we're all looking forward to, to Christmas. And yeah, and, and the last round. It's so exciting at the moment. Dave, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, very good. Yeah, we'll talk about the game you commentated uh, last night, which didn't quite live up to... Uh, live up to its billing, Lille against Paris Saint-Germain. But I should say a big thank you to, to Robbie um, for allowing us to use this fantastic uh, converted uh, studio in your flat and also for continuing the uh, tradition here at Le Bourgeois Towers of uh, having a little glass of champagne before, uh, before we start, uh, before, we, before we clock off for Christmas. So cheers, everybody. So, Dave, as you... Um, as you tuck into your champagne, let's hear your commentary uh, first of all. Lille, Lille against uh, Paris Saint-Germain. It was uh, a battle between two of the top three. Lyon were actually uh, top at, at kickoff time. But let's hear what happened at the Stade Pierre-Mauroy. There's Benjamin André. David helps it on. Yilmaz with a good touch. Very good from Burak Yilmaz. And here come Lille. Oh, needed a better ball there, but Yilmaz sprints towards the penalty area. What a challenge by Presnel Kimpembe. Lille did not exploit that opportunity. Kimpembe is hurt. He saved his team there. Already there, you can see. Kimpembe in the slow-mo could feel his right hamstring, but still managed to stop Burak Yilmaz going one-on-one with Kalor Navas. That was heroic from Presnel Kimpembe. It'll take him a long time to leave the field here. He's joined that lengthy injury list. Neymar, Ricardi, Sarabia, Bernat, Diallo, Danilo and now Kimpembe. Well, David finished nil-nil. Lille uh, still top of the league then on goal difference uh, ahead of Lyon. Um, but we selected that commentary about Preston Kimpembe because I think it was, you know, the big moment in the game, wasn't it? Oh, it was huge. It was a four-on-one on the counter and Presnel Kimpembe had actually pulled his hamstring. I only noticed this looking at the slow-mos uh, about three seconds before making the diving challenge on Burak Yilmaz, which undoubtedly saved a goal. Now, Burak Yilmaz didn't play the situation that well. I don't think the pass to him was very good either. Um, Lille, that was their only real breakaway opportunity and they didn't take it. Uh, Kimpembe put his body on the line but it's another injury for Paris Saint-Germain adding to their ever-lengthening injury list Thomas Tuchel said there were three injuries last night including one when Kira managed to clear out his own player Florenzi but uh, no really impressive stuff from Kimpembe who was suspended anyway for the last game of the year against Strasbourg so hopefully he'll be okay by the time we get going again in 2021 Yeah Kira careless in that challenge but Robbie Presnell 
Um, you know, what a challenge. I have to admit, I was watching it on, on TV. When I saw him diving in, I thought, oh, red card, he's going to go. And then I thought, oh, I actually saw what it was. He, he won the ball. And as Dave said, he used the word heroic in, in his commentary, given that he felt the, the tweak or even the tear, you know, he was in pain and still went and made that tackle. It was, it was spectacular. I, I know Presnell. I know he's a warrior and, and he always gives 150% of himself and will put his body on the line. Sometimes he, he gets so caught up in this idea of honour and force and power and defending, you know, the red and blue, defending what he stands for that sometimes he can lose a little bit of lucidity, as the, as the French would say. He's not quite so clear-headed. But there, you saw it in all its glory. He clearly does his hamstring, which I didn't see either until, until after on the replay. But you see him pull up. And normally, a player will stop. A player, more than nine times out of ten, will suddenly grab the hammy and stop. But you can see he takes in the information. He looks, he sees that there's four on one and that he's a chance, that he could try it. And there's no doubt, no doubt whatsoever, that he's worsened that injury, further torn it by, by diving in. It's a left-footed challenge. He's left-footed. It's the left hamstring that's gone. Everything about it means that he made it worse. But, and people saying sacrifice, he sacrificed it. He didn't sacrifice. He did what, what comes naturally to him, and he put his body on the line. And it, and it was spectacular. Having said that, Lil will feel they should have scored. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I found it an intriguing game rather than an exciting game. Paris Saint-Germain's midfield was much better than it had been the previous week uh, against Lyon that Rafinha, Gay and Verratti did pretty well. Uh, I do slightly agree, though, with uh, Mikel Madar, the former PSG forward, who was quoted as saying Verratti doesn't try enough risky passes. Um, I really like the Jose Mourinho quote from last week about statistics being like badly cooked meat or fish. And Verratti touching the hundred, touching the ball 127 times, a record apparently for any away player at Lille since these sort of stats have been collected. But how many of them were crucial touches? He looks great on the highlights reel as he gets out of tight situations. But as soon as he gets into the final third, he'll lay it off to the side rather than try the difficult pass himself, which he's well capable of doing because Keane was making some really good runs, particularly near post runs. And I just feel... Like he's an outstanding player, but he could be even better, and it is frustrating. Yeah, we were talking about this just before the pod because uh, uh, Robbie and I probably were more thinking, you know, Verratti and Rafinha as well. Technically, in that game, were 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 so impressive, and Lille have been virtually unstoppable this season. And yet, in that game, they barely created a, a chance. I get what you're saying with Verratti. I think with the talent he's got. You know, four or five years ago, I was thinking, well, he'll be the best midfielder in the world in five years. And he hasn't. But he is. Become that. Well, uh, uh, Robbie thinks he's he is. He's very close Robbie to being the is, best midfielder Tom- in Thomas the world. Thomas Tuchel thinks Marquinhos is the best player in the world. But we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, Rob, the, but he yeah, is. The midfield was good. And, and Tuchel, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think he could have made this choice a couple of games earlier that Rafinha and, and Idrissa Gay should probably have been starting even earlier ahead of Paredes and, uh, and Herrera. Yeah, I think it depends on the on the formation as well. Was that really a, a, a three five two? It wasn't so much, was it? Because Rafinha was playing a little higher up the pitch. Di Maria was was drifting more left as opposed to a, a two up front alongside Keane. I think it was I think the coach changes everything for every match. He 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 works out his tactics. There are individual tactics within the team formation as well. I think when you're playing a side that counterattacks so well and you make the decision that you're going to dominate possession, I think you want someone like Verratti who can have 127 touches. I have no problem with that whatsoever. And 
I understand Dave's frustration at sometimes when you see an opening or you think he can do it because you know he's got so much talent. But alongside him, you've got a game plan where you have to make sure that the other team don't have the ball so they can't counterattack you. And you also have Rafinha, Di Maria, eventually Florenzi, Kurzawa as well to provide these final passes. And you've got, you've got other creative outlets. It's not Marco Verratti who's shouldering the entire cre- creative burden of this side. Um, just before I put this to you, Dave, I'll, I'll, I'll go um, through the top four. Uh, Lille and Leon have 33 points each. Lille are, are one goal better off in terms of goal difference, so they're top. Paris Saint-Germain, one point behind the top two. Uh, Marseille are five points behind Lille. They're in fourth place, uh, but they do have these two games in hand. Dave, the question I'm going to ask you, who, who got the better result? Who was the result better for last night, Lille or PSG? Olympique Lyonnais. Good answer. <laughs> that wasn't one of the, uh, the options, though. Unfortunate. Um, given that Paris Saint-Germain had 70% of the ball, I think Lille were satisfied with the point in the end. As Jose Font, their captain, said post-match, when you can't win games, you have to make sure that you don't lose them. They've only lost once this season. They're a very hard team to beat. The only game they lost was away at Brest in a very exciting match. Uh, yeah, they were And best defence as well in the division. They weren't at their best against Paris Saint-Germain. We've seen them play a lot better. Uh, they've got a strong squad, as we know. Galtier will stick faithfully to his 4-4-2 and just slot players in and keep the same tactics. The big unknown when it comes to Lille is what will happen with this takeover that was completed on Friday with a subsidiary of Merlin um, taking over. Olivier Letton in as president, Gerard Lopez and Luis Campos leaving the club. Letton needs to establish a really good working relationship with Christophe Galtier and they have to keep hold of their players in the winter transfer window if they're going to mount a a sustainable challenge for their first title since 2011. I think in terms of result, Lille would be the happier of of the two sides last night because they were dominated, because they got a point, because they're top of the table and chances are, I think they have a big game, uh, on Wednesday, they're, they're don't they? Montpellier. They're against Montpellier. Sorry, Robbie, yeah. Lille, Lille were dominated, were they? I think so, in terms of the play, in terms of 70% possession, in terms of dictating Paris Saint-Germain, mm, dictating the tempo and controlling any, their counter-attacks. I can't think of any clear chances PSG created. No, but in dominating the play, yes, not creating, but forcing Lille to only defend throughout the match, yeah, and that, which they did very well. They have the best defence in the league, along with Paris Saint-Germain. You so could you say can't maybe PSG shaded it. Dom- dominated for me is a bit, a bit strong, but go on. Okay, yeah. well, I'm just quoting Christophe Galtier, but that's okay, who said that they were suffocated, I think, uh, <laughs> by Paris Saint-Germain in the match. But Paris Saint-Germain, I think, will be very reassured by the way they were able to shade, edge a match uh, of this uh, importance just before Christmas, having seen that that's only two wins now in six league and matches, but, that confidence yeah. was not high and that they needed to pull out a performance that was, was strong. I think we saw a strong Paris Saint-Germain. Well, they would have won had Neymar been there, had Mbappe, Mbappe been able been to play fit. the full 90 minutes. Uh, on his 22nd birthday, Mbappe only played 13 minutes, hardly touched the ball. Mauro Icardi? Well, I knew you. I'm, I'm looking more <laughs> to an individual to make the difference mm. on his own because mm-hmm. um, I thought Keane played pretty well to the best of his ability. Di Maria who was our player of the year last year, hasn't been so good in recent weeks, as Tuchel said, pre-match, affected by his contract coming to an end and giving the ball away too much. But I thought he linked well with Kazava. Mm-hmm. But in that sort of tight game, top of the table game, you really need your big players. And they didn't have Neymar and Mbappe. And looking at that mini-league between the top five, including Ren in this, the only club that PSG have managed to beat this season is Ren. So this is 
something that's really keeping the title race alive. Will it be different in the second half of the season when PSG have fewer European games when their injury list is shorter? Tuchel can complain about injuries, kickoff times, all he wants. Lille have played just as many games as Paris Saint-Germain this season. Okay, they didn't have the, the Lisbon Champions League campaign in August, but Lille had three injured players, whereas Paris Saint-Germain's injury list is now up to, to 10. So. Yeah, I agree, Dave. And you talk about big players. Of course, Mbappe and Neymar are going to be missed, but Lille were missing arguably their best player in, in, in Renato Sanchez. And I think what you said about them needing to hold on to their players in January is, is really important because a few weeks back, um, there was talk of Renato Sanchez being potentially allowed to leave if they get something like, you know, they were talking about 70, 80 million, you know, big, big money for him. Um, but the, the the question, I think, is a valid one for what's going to happen for all these clubs. And it's a wider league and chat, perhaps. But but the January transfer window is a huge moment this year, more given the losses that, yeah. the, that the league has, that the clubs have um, suffered as well. It's, it's huge. The fact that Lille are changing ownership as well. Olivier Leton, I think, has proven he has a track record. He brought Reims up from amateur football, this fallen giant. He was involved in that. He was involved at Paris Saint-Germain. He won a, a Coupe de France with Rennes. Now he goes to Lille, which I think, all things considered, is a bigger club again than Rennes. Even though Rennes uh, had Champions League football, Lille are a, Lille, Lille are a big club, a big city, um, big investments there. So they could become a force. Certainly he, he is a good man for the job, I think. And uh, but January, yeah, yeah. Do, January, does everyone January have to sell players? January is going to be very interesting. We were talking just before we went on air about Memphis Depay, who's out of contract in the summer. They keep saying that Leon might be ready to sell for five million plus, which is just unbelievable to think that. What we've got to hope, and you know, from a spectacle point of view, is that these teams think, well, actually, it's better to keep Memphis Depay and Renato Sanchez and to make sure we're in the Champions League um, the following season. Just uh, before we move on to the to the next game, I wanted to. Um, bring in uh, Alexandre Tremblay, one of our um, uh, loyal listeners, who was asking about Jonathan David's situation. I have to admit, when I saw the starting eleven, I I was a little bit disappointed, and I wonder if Lille um, do need that number nine who can run in behind because he played with Yezici and, and Burak Yilmaz through the middle. Burak basically playing furthest up, so obviously they don't have the pace to go in behind. Alexandre says. Uh, um, that he and a few of his friends, they do um, keep a close eye on how things are going on at Lille. Once the starting lineup is revealed for each LOSC game, we go back and forth discussing David's inclusion or non-inclusion in the starting eleven. It seems quite cyclical. David doesn't score. He gets benched and then he goes right back in the starting eleven because he offers something different to the others, but then he doesn't score. Um, it has been stop-start for, mm. for Jonathan David, hasn't it? But physically, he's looking better. And I, I read some quotes from him uh, recently, maybe from two or three weeks ago, where he admitted that he was overweight at the start of the season, which I know was something you were looking at closely, Matt, when he started playing. He looked a bit sluggish, looked a bit heavy, and he admitted that the absence of top-level competitive matches and high-intensity training sessions because of coronavirus, Belgian football, like French football, stopped in the spring, had affected him. It affected his weight. He, he lives on his own a long way from home. His family haven't been able to visit him yet. He's just got himself a flat in Lille, so I think doing that rather than being in a hotel. All these things matter, particularly to a young footballer. And yeah, he only played for a few minutes last night, but physically compared to where he was at the start of the season, I do think he's sharper. He's got a couple of goals in Ligue 1. He obviously feels more settled within that Lille squad now. And he is going to be in a rotation. You know, Christophe Galtier is always going to rotate his team. 
because Yazidji's been scoring goals domestically and in Europe. Burak Yilmaz is a huge character and scores goals. Uh, but Jonathan David will do something for Lille this season. He will be important to them in the second so, half of the season. So do you think Galtier picks him depending on, on the opposition or it's more a question of he looks at he looks at all the games and thinks, okay, which one can I rest him? How am I going to rotate this this squad? I, I do agree with you, actually. I, was, I thought last night's game would have been an ideal one for him because it's a different threat. If you've got David, Ikone and Bomber all threatening to go in behind, then Paris Saint-Germain have something else to think about and Kazava and Florenzi can't play as high up the pitch. They have to keep an eye on what's going on and help out the three centre-halves. So, Yazidji did all right defensively, I thought, although I did see that Font said that they didn't, Lille didn't defend from the front and didn't press the way they usually did. But Yazidji put his foot in. We saw him back in his own area quite a lot. But that was one of the, the less eye-catching games I've seen from Yazidji this season. I think yeah, David probably should have started with hindsight. I think Galtier does decide his starting eleven with the, the opponent in mind. We saw Yazidji so strong in European football this season because perhaps Galtier thought his game plan his game his style of play was more suited perhaps to to continental football rather than just pure league 1 football which is very physical Yilmaz um we saw him playing almost exclusively in league 1 and not so often in in european football if my memory serves me correctly because he's so strong that that league 1 offers that big physical he's also 35 and he's and got he's a manager's work and play. absolutely but Jonathan David I agree with Dave, you know, you have Timothy Weyer also on the bench and he will mix and match. He knows that also, let's not forget that Yilmaz and Yazici are obviously Turkish, that they, they know each other very well and that combination as well. They played together at Trabzonspor. Perhaps Galtier thought that was something for a big game in Ligue 1 where you still have a Jonathan David whose perhaps confidence is not sky high, even though I think he is improving, as Dave said, and I think physically he's looking better, but I think also... In, within the team, he knows everyone better. And there's Timothy Weyer, who offers something different again. But those two, they are a good combination. And, and why not give them a go when you need your biggest match of the season? Maybe David is like that Payet quote from last week, that if he scores, then he'll be thinner. Oh, yes. Demir, that was a good quote from Payet. Every time I score a goal, I lose a kilo. Um, yes, interesting indeed. Although, you know, we're not, we're not stupid. I mean, we could see that Dimitri Payet was carrying a bit. Jonathan David was carrying a bit. And... But I can understand that it gets under his skin a little bit, the comments, and uh, it's easier to criticise someone's weight when they're not playing well. Mm. Um, you're listening to Le Bourgeois. Um, it, is, uh, it is what? It's a, it's a Monday morning. We're gearing up for round 17 on, uh, on Wednesday night. Um, we are, I'm proud to say, the official uh, Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association uh, with our partners, uh, BT Sport. We're going to look at the, uh, the other title contender, uh, now, because there are at least three title contenders at the moment, and uh, perhaps four if we if we include Marseille. Um, nice were in action against Lyon. Uh, that was on Saturday night, and Andy Scott uh, commentated it. The Lyon captain, who uh, may well uh, leave his current club in the January transfer window, but at the moment they are charging towards. A title challenge, and they're in the lead here, thanks to the cheekiest of penalties by Memphis Depay. Outrageous, really. And Lyon are in again, though. Big chance for 2-0, they've taken it. And it's Tino Cadaweri who scores it. Well, from uh, 
vital interception at the other end and straight up field to double Lyon's lead Rudy Garcia's team now have the two goal cushion Lyon once more we'll look for the space Depay sending Kadaweri through and Tokua can be surely to make it 3-1 here Arnis had sent everyone upfield in search of the equalising goal as though it were the last minute of the game Leo Dubois, the ball in from Dubois and it was dropped by Benitez and pounced upon by Usem Awar and this time it is 4-1 So Leon dropped a couple of points against Brest on Wednesday, a 2-2 draw but they were um, back to their best against Nice, 4-1 and uh, Dave, their, their attacking trio I mean they got the first three goals in they Memphis with the penalty Kadawiri and then uh, Toko Ikombi before Awar added, added a fourth but that front three, they're just uh, gelling so well Terrific. And that's why I picked them out in a, an article I wrote last week as the most credible of the title challenges to uh, Paris Saint-Germain because if that front three stays together and it is vital, they keep Memphis Depay. And, and I totally agree with what you alluded to earlier, Matt. It's, he's got more valuable, more value to Lyon helping them qualify for the Champions League or having a, a title tilt than recouping a bit of money and saving on wages by selling him wherever he might go, Barcelona or elsewhere in January. Uh, I love that front three. I love their mobility. And they scare teams. And Lyon have taken 26 points out of the last 30. And when you think Moussa Dembele is nowhere near the starting lineup now, that's testament to how well Kadawere is playing. Toko Ekambi is one of the most suited players I've ever seen to that wide attacking role and breaking. He's calm in front of goal. He's come back really strongly since missing the chances in the Champions League back in August. And Memphis Depay, uh, so cheeky, that display against Nice. The weird Penenka penalty to the side of Walter Benitez and the great pass for another um, Leon goal. And yeah, I, I like watching them. I like watching them and I think they're, they're very, very good. Maybe that's going to become the new, the new thing. We're going to call it a Memphis, a sort of, which is a kind of a dink penalty that goes to the side towards the top corner. Could become a thing. Robbie, I feel like we've, we've lacked... It's something that Ligue 1 has lacked in recent years, a strong... Yeah, Matt, Matt, you can't move on like that, man. I'm intrigued by... I love a technical debate. Have we, have we just invented a new skill? Well, uh, a Memphis. It, it, I heard... What, I heard Zidane's, I penal, Zidane's Penenka in the final of the World Cup, did that go straight down the middle? I yeah. thought that was a little bit to the side. No? Pretty much middle, no? Okay. I, not to it wasn't drop, a Memphis. I, I was in uh, our redaction in our newsroom yesterday, and I did hear the former Paris Saint-Germain coach, Luis Fernandez, say it wasn't a Penenka. Ah, because it was hit too high or too it, much. Yeah. It was still on the way up as it crossed the line? Has to be on its way down. No, it was on its way down. It was down. on its way down? It was a superb penalty. It was a superb penalty. to Ben Littleton, the author of was the, the uh, yes, excellent absolutely. book about penalties. Was the, was the Memphis pass as well for, for Toko Akambi's goal where Kadawiri selflessly set him up? The pass that split the, the two defenders was so superb. Was that the, the Kimpembe moment? Of that he's match? Br- he, honestly, he's brilliant. I, 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 I love Memphis Depay. Uh, I, I commentated the game against Brest where Rudy Garcia decided to leave him on the bench because, you know, three games in, in, in the space of a week. And Lyon were struggling. They were 1-0 down. Memphis comes on half an hour to go. You know, very much like Mbappe with PSG, just changed the game just through his presence. He won the penalty, scored the penalty. And, um, and he drove Lyon towards what should have been a victory before Anthony Lopez had a rush of blood to the head and, uh, and conceded a penalty. But... You know, Depay for me is up there with with Neymar and Mbappe in terms of the best footballers in 
in league out and robbie what i wanted to say to you before you rudely Sorry, interrupted yes, um, was was that i feel we've missed a strong olympic lyonnais in, in in the last few years they've had good players but they've just been so inconsistent and i feel i don't want to you know go go too early like i did last year Put when the they won, on when, them. when they won their first two games scoring <laughs> 10 goals or whatever but i do feel like who was their coach can anyone remember yeah, Bruno Genesio. No, Silvina. Ah. Silvina, sorry. But Robbie, they're, 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 they do look like they're back now. Yeah, I think Leon, uh, th- yes, they have quality individuals. It's interesting to think that they tried to sell so many of them during the summer. And perhaps that's a reason why Moussa Dembele as well hasn't quite settled into the player he was. I agree with Dave that they have a bench that's just spectacular. But yes, Ligue 1 wants strong competition for the Ligue 1 title, I think. The, the fact that Leon are winning matches... Fantastic. The, Mar- the fact that Marseille have two games in hand and could be top of the table, that we could have four teams covered by three points, is is wonderful for Ligue 1. And I think it will is a benefit for all the teams in it fighting for Europe and will hold them in good stead for Europe next season. Lyon are a big team. I think it's better. I'm a traditionalist or a... a, a traditionalist different from a purist in football? A, a, Depends what you're going to say Yeah, next. okay. Well, I'm going to say that I like seeing... The traditional big clubs fighting at the top of the table. I, I think it's fine to have a Montpellier come through and not necessarily the Montpellier that won the league, but the Montpellier that were third when they came up from the second division was a fantastic season when we were commentating back in the old days. The I love that underdog thing, but I also love it when you have big matches, when you look well, forward to Paris Saint-Germain. Clubs, uh, Lyon, who didn't win a title until this millennium. Paris Saint-Germain only founded 50 years ago. <laughs> that, that's just me French playing football. devil's advocate, yes, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah, it would be nice to see Le Havre and Sochaux up there. Um, but yeah, they're not. Absolutely. But they're, they're the traditional the giants. No, nice. Yes, Nice as well. They, Lille. I, I, Lille, I've, champions <laughs> in the 50s. I've been one of the most sceptical ones about Rudy Garcia. I, I Up until very recently... Didn't think it was a good appointment. I think the fans were against him. Didn't do well at, at Marseille. Um, well, in the last year at Marseille. And um, yeah, I, I just felt like Jean-Michel Olas has let his very high standards slip in recent times. But I'm perhaps going to have to eat some humble pie yeah, because I, he's doing a good job. I, I was surprised they didn't appoint Laurent Blanc when they had the chance. And I, I remember our, our chats then, I don't know whether we said them on air or off air, saying that Rudy <laughs> Garcia must do a really good PowerPoint presentation in order to get the job ahead of Laurent Blanc. I think perhaps I could wade in there and just, Dave, interrupt briefly and say I think he does have a very uh, good agent because I think Laurent Blanc thought he had the job as well. He has got a good agent <laughs> and that, that was uh, the centre of a lot of the problems he had at Marseille, but uh, we, won't, we won't go into that. No, he's hit upon a system that works. I mean, I've enjoyed watching a lot of Rudy Garcia's teams. The the team that won the title with Lille was really good. Uh, some of the most thrilling nights I've had in a stadium watching French clubs were in Marseille's uh, Europa League campaign when they made the final. And Lyon are playing really well now. And I think it did start. The spirit started with that Champions League campaign this summer. And that's when he realised that leaving out Dembele, going for mobility... Uh, was going to be something that would work for him. And once they settled into this season, after getting over that bump of, are the players tired? What's going on with the summer transfer window, which was elongated because of the COVID situation? Since then, 26 points out of 30. And that that is title-winning form. One coach that Jean-Michel Olas was keen to bring in uh, a couple of years ago was a certain Patrick Vieira. Now, he is currently out of work, having been sacked by Nice a few weeks ago. Um, Can we all agree... 
that that was a hasty and a poor decision to sack Patrick Vieira. Uh, Adrian Ursia has um, been appointed until the end of the season. He did get a win away to Nîmes um, in in midweek, but it's, what is it, three defeats mm-hmm. and one nil-nil draw and one win, and they and they were really poor against against Leon. For me, it's still the Dante injury that, that has ruined their season. But it's not only that; they're still missing other players as well, I, Dave. I mean, yeah, Dante yeah. is fifty percent of their yeah, team. Dante. But there was no Schneiderlin. There was no Schneiderlin yeah, uh, against Leon. They were a very young team, and sacking yeah. the coach is always the easy way to but go about things. When, when, yeah, exactly. He's the fusible ideal, as the exactly. French like to say. My accent is getting worse actually by the year that I spend in France. But there <laughs> not we go. by the glass. That, that's a <laughs> <laughs> Another couple of glasses of champagne, it'll be much better. Um, but yeah, that, that's the question you've always got to ask, isn't it? When you change the coach, is the new coach going to be able to get any more out of the same set of players? And I, I just don't think their squad is is good enough at the moment. Uh, they have talent, that's unquestionable. But the balance isn't there. and The defence is all over the place. Uh, the midfield lacks legs and Guiri, because of Dolberg's problems this season, which have been many, uh, has been too often on his own and uh, t- has too much of the burden. They finished fifth last season. They were fifth in the league in early November. I mean, it, you know, and I, I know there are a lot of Nice fans. I have a, a few acquaintances on Twitter who get in touch saying we can't stand Vieira. There's no style. You know, I'm not saying he, you know, he, he was doing a perfect job, but he was getting results and the team's very young. And I, this whole thing about a team's identity is one of my bugbears, along with the stats. That um, can you, do, sorry, can you explain the Jose Mourinho comment? I don't understand why. Why are stats like like half cooked um, or bad, says, bad cooked meat? It, you see a player who has a ninety five percent pass completion rate and touches the ball one hundred and fifty times, but a lot of those passes are one meter passes. He's not taking risks. You're going to lose the ball more if you play like Neymar. Yeah, but uncooked fish you... can be like sushi. It's really nice. And you <laughs> no, can also and, get... And the, we like our steak I think badly very cooked. Lightly yeah, cooked yeah steak tatar for me, you know, is, 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 is a wonderful statistic. Are you a stats man, man? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think we can all agree that steak tatar is better than watching centre-backs pass it to each other for 90 minutes. Before I, I have commentated uh, Nice against Rennes a week ago. They, they lost 1-0 and... They struggled. Ren were the better side. They they didn't threaten enough when it came in the second half when they were chasing the game. They didn't do enough. Their goals against Nim came very late on. I think it was Ndoy in the eighty fifth minute, and then uh, another goal in the in the ninety fourth minute. Um, if you have a look at their bench, uh, yesterday or two days ago against Leon, they've just got really kids. I mean, only kids. There are no options on the bench for whoever the coach is. So. To go back to your original question, Matt, is it unfair to have to have pointed the finger at Patrick Vieira? It's a thing that goes back, I don't think, just to this season and just to the results of the last two months, where they, they were disappointing in Europe, where they've free-fallen in Ligue 1 now to be not in danger yet, but they are close to the relegation zone. And uh, it's more over the last two years, perhaps, where the finger is pointed at, at Vieira. But again, Dave... Your, your question about identity. Is it, is it important to have a, a strong footballing identity? I think there are lots of teams that don't have a, a trademark plan A or a, a football identity more and more these days. I think it's the most important thing is to be adaptable and to be successful. Uh, we want teams to play with style and maybe in the collective imagination, the teams that have that clearly identified style are the ones that are remembered more fondly. 
But ultimately, what are you asking of Thomas Tuchel? You're asking him to win football matches. What are you asking? Well, what were you asking of Patrick Vieira to win football games? I loved looking at PSG under Laurent Blanc. They had an identity. They had a very clear style. It was always 4-3-3 except for once when, when, they, <laughs> when they paid the price. They had a style, but they weren't... Laurent Blanc, you have to look back. It's one season, I think, they registered 96 points in Ligue 1. It was the greatest ever season in the history of Ligue 1, the highest number of points. But in the Champions League, it didn't happen. Thomas Tuchel hasn't branded Paris Saint-Germain with that identity. He's changed formation basically four times. We've seen big switches if we count now the 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 532 or the 352 of the last couple of months but the team i think started with 14 wins in a row which is an all-time european record 14 consecutive wins in in a top division top 5 european leagues they made the champions league final they won the quadruple again last year having missed out on the cups the year before and he changes and he adapts and ultimately perhaps to take that next step but then i mean it's i think it's a valid argument Barcelona have a very well, clear style say, and we they were the best team in the debate, world. Then we need to start talking about Nantes and we need to talk about Nantes' philosophy because they effectively invented a playing style and I know that a lot of the pioneers and uh, the uh, the masters who, who, who installed that at Nantes were very upset in the uh, early noughties when they were basically moving away from that. Reynold Denowitz being the... Mm. Uh, the main guy, there's a there's a, an amazing video on YouTube of him talking, I think it was on Canal Plus, incredibly emotionally about what Nantes were losing. And you look at the state they're in now. But I think it's a debate for another day. But yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And I think the fans, for me, it's it's a case of balance, really. Because when, when, when teams are playing crazy, amazing football, Marcelo Bielsa leads losing 6-2 on, on Sunday. And a lot of people saying, that's the way you want your team to play. They're just, you know, they're just... And I think that's fine as long as they stay up. But if they start losing on a regular basis, the fans will start saying, well, actually, we need to be a bit more pr- pragmatic here, guys. Um, I haven't seen that, but is, is Leeds United on the slide already? Uh, they won 5-2 in midweek, lost 6-2 at the weekend. Okay, so <laughs> it's up and down. <laughs> it's up and down. So it, look, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And certainly there are some clubs in France with very strong identities. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to get on to the important matters of Deja Who um, because... Uh, we had a tricky one. Producer Ian uh, really did get our listeners uh, scrambling about on Wikipedia. This was, the, uh, this, this was the clue. I was born in the Paris region, but came through the Youth Academy at the club in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's hometown, brackets Laval, um, which we didn't tell you. I featured for Lens, Rennes, Monaco and Marseille in France during my career and also played in England and the USA. I'm the first Mali international to win the UEFA Champions League. Um, so, what uh, what did we have? We had a few correct answers, a few wrong ones. Joe McCall, Momo Sissoko. It's not a bad shout, but it's not right. Ryan Yowell went for uh, Seydou Keita. Also incorrect. The right answer, Jimmy Traore. Liverpool's uh, Champions League winner in 2005. Correct answers from Adam Cyrilnik. Thank you. Well done, Adam, after your... Back. your yeah, you're back after your slip last week. Happy bar. Uh, right, as is often the case. Omar Baziz is also correct. Patrick Brisbois, Niels Part, and uh, Thomas Duroy. I hope I pronounced that right, Thomas. Well done, all of you. Congratulations, uh, you got it right. By the way, listeners, if you do want to uh, rate us on the different uh, podcast platforms, we would all be really grateful. It'd be very kind. A little Christmas present to us. If you're if you're on uh, Google, Apple, Deezer, or Spotify, just give us a little rating, and that will that will help uh, everybody. Thank Christmas, you. Christmas rating. Little Christmas rating. 
the next uh, feature game, perhaps the last feature game, because we have been rambling a lot, Marseille versus Reims. Marseille just creaking a little bit, defeated in midweek. They were at home against Reims. Angus Turode, watch this one. Bursting away comes Zanelli. Three men supporting him. Kosovan tries to build it across, and it's gone in on own goal by Yuto Nakatomo. Nightmare for Marseille. Sakai back to Ranger. Thought about the first time shot. Feet it off instead to Benedetto. And Toma has equalised. Right on the stroke of half time. Well, that attack was a bit like riding a roller coaster. But they got to the destination in the end. So, uh, Robbie, just one point from two games for Marseille. They came back through through Florian Tovan. Tovan actually, after the game, was uh, pretty damning of uh, of the performance. Um, is that is that fair, or is it or is it natural, Dave? You're looking like you want to come in as Robbie's sort of. Uh, yeah, I have. I tap, have Florian Tovan's with words computer. in front of me. It was one of my favourite post-match comments of the season, actually, and it goes back to. What I was saying about Marco Verratti, actually. He's saying, we play too laterally. We play the ball backwards too much. The final ball's not good enough. There's not enough movement. They don't get in behind very much, Marseille. They, if they had Toko Ikambi and Kadawiri to play with Tovan, then there'd be an entirely different proposition to defend against. Uh, Marseille taking one point out of six in the last week, but not really playing any differently to what we've seen them all season. They don't create many chances. Uh, already last season, Villas-Boas managed to perform miracles with a, a, a squad that shouldn't have been that high in the league. This season, they might do it again, but they're a team that's impossible to love because they don't excite you. They were awful in Europe. And apart from Tovan this season, and he's very much hit and miss on Cron Alternative. I'm trying to throw in all the French <laughs> isms that I can this time. But he scores goals and he creates goals. He He makes things happen. And I think he is getting sharper again having missed all of last season practically because of injury but he needs support he, he needs and this is a consistent theme isn't it he needs Payet and Benedetto to start helping him out and start scoring some goals as well because otherwise despite their two games in hand you just can't see them going anywhere you can't see them qualifying for the Champions League well the two games in hand are, are Lens who are a promoted side but very surprising and doing well and a Nice side who we just spoke about who are who could who could do with points I think Matt, I'm just looking playing while playing with my computer, and I'll try and show you guys. This is the the average positions. Has that turned itself upside yeah, it's down? Right you can around. see. Yeah. So all but three Marseille players' average position in the match was in Rance's half of the field. Every all single Rance central. player. They're all very central. All every single Rance player is in their own half of the field, which means that Marseille clearly dominated territorially, dominated possession. And we know that Reims traditionally over the last two years have very good defence. So can we not say that perhaps this one was a little bit of a hold-up as well and that, you know, sometimes teams struggle. Marseille are one of the teams that were playing in Europe, yes, unconvincingly, yes, disappointingly, but that sometimes when you need to make that little bit of difference, you need that little bit of extra physicality. There's no Morgan Sanson. He's injured at the moment. That's starting. They need more from midfield. No, Robbie, we can say that, and I, I have to admit, I'm a bit surprised at some of the the reactions because Marseille had been on such a fantastic run. Mm. But you know, Tovan highly critical. We saw Andre Villas-Boas on Wednesday night when he finished his press conference after the defeat against Rennes, and he really was very aggressive towards a, a journalist from La Provence and uh, said, uh, "You 
see what happens if I get hold of you or so. You know, it was it was quite threatening stuff mm-hmm. from uh, from AVB. For which you apologise, uh, but, but you know, but it suggests, guys, things behind the scenes are not uh, are not going swimmingly, are they? It's also what can you do against the pack defence? I think Vilas Boas's frustration has boiled over as well because he can think all he likes, but if you haven't got players capable of playing the ball quickly, of playing quick one twos around the box, then you can look at your paper, look at your screens, look at your average of positioning all you want. And even though you'll find the best possible option available, you know it's still not the one that's going to get you to the position you want to be in. Because that, that's what you've got to do if Rance are defending that. Exactly. But you've got to move the ball quickly. You, if you yeah. just play it in front of them, then you're going to make it easier for them to defend. Uh, actually, and it helps. Actually, if- just to, to dead one, there's another Frenchism that I'm not going to translate. Uh, dead one? Dead one. One word. Okay, I'll look that up afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, they did actually create more chances, more clear chances than Paris Saint-Germain did against Lille. Benedetto missed a couple. But the the point is, when you're playing against those defences, you need your individual players to be a, capable of doing something brilliant. And perhaps Benedetto is not that player with his runs, with, you know, a la Moïse Keane, a la Mauro Icardi. But certainly Payet and Tovin, if they're in form and on song, are players capable of doing that. But if they don't do it in one game, it's not the end of the world. You don't, you don't throw in everything and say, look, the, the, the house of cards has collapsed because Tovan just can't, can't produce anymore. Well, I think with Christmas coming up, Rob, uh, Payet needs to get a couple of goals against Angers on, on Wednesday. And then he can tuck into his turkey. Sorry. <laughs> Is that a bit harsh? A little bit harsh. Are you, are you trying to say he wouldn't fit down the chimney? No, I'm just saying he, lo- he, he says he loses weight when he scores goals. So I'm just making that point. Listen, I think Marseille- that's another dig at journalists again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Marseille are doing okay. They're, they're, they're still very much up there. They've actually got a game in hand very early in January before the rest of the mm-hmm. teams restart. So it's going to be interesting to see how they get on in those games in hand. Uh, one side inviting themselves back into the, into the mix, certainly as far as European football is concerned, uh, Ren. They are up to fifth. They'd been on this terrible run, but three wins in a row now. Uh, Julien Stéphane's charges winning the derby against Lorient. And just before we talk about the game, um, I want to talk about something extremely sad, tragic, that, that happened after the game when um, a 38-year-old volunteer groundsman um, who was working at the match and was working on the pitch after the game was hit by some uh, lighting equipment that, that collapsed. And... Um, there was all sorts of panic and the emergency services were, were required. And tragically, um, this, uh, this poor chap passed away soon, soon after. So, I mean, difficult to talk about football in, uh, in these circumstances. And there will, of course, be a serious inquest into what happened and how that was allowed to happen. Um, so our thoughts, obviously, with, uh, with, with his family at this terrible time. Um, Ren uh, had one by three goals to nil. Um, Benjamin Bourdieu scored, uh, Damien De Silva scored. I know Armel was keen to get a stat in about De Silva being the most prolific defender since uh, goodness knows how many years. We'll save that for Armel next time. Um, nice goal as well from Martin Terrier. Uh, Dave, they're, they're, they're looking more like the Wren we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, they are. Um, again, I have my doubts about whether they can sustain all of this that... Um, when Aguerd and De Silva are playing well, then the whole team plays a lot better. They're, they're good centre-halves and they're very dangerous from set-pieces. Opposition uh, defences are, are aware of their threat, but seemingly unable to stop it because Aguerd has chipped in with a few this season as well. They're still trying to fine-tune things in attack, but 
when results are there, then that helps the confidence. It helps the mood around the place. And what it has done is put an end to all of that talk about Julian Stefan saying, well, if I'm the problem, then I, I, it's down to the club to deal with it, etc., etc." They can put on this united front. They don't have to worry about Europe anymore and they can just focus on Ligue 1. And yeah, they're set to be in the top five, but I'm still, I've still got my doubts about them. I think that they've had changes. The, the changes in the presidency last season as well, they're kept with Julian Stefan. There have been changes around the club which don't, which don't ever make things easy. And we'll see what happens to Lille over in the second half of the season. But uh, this Rennes side, I think a little bit like Marseille, they suffered psychologically more than anything else in the Champions League this season. It was a step too far. And I think now we've seen... They're still playing lots of matches. We've had two midweek rounds, or we have a midweek round, and now another midweek round. So this, they're one of these sides, like Marseille, like Paris, like Lille, that have played a lot of football, like Nice, that have played a lot of football matches. And all of a sudden, the Champions League finishes, and that's three wins in a row. So for me, clearly, it's, it was a psychological issue, what happened in the Champions League and how it affected them in Liga. And I think they, they could. I think they've got a very solid solid side I think they've got options they've got talented players they've got options on the bench when Guirassi comes back as well they'll have options up front Umbanyong started again on the bench as Dave said very solid at the back uh, and I think they could be a threat. Yeah, we were we were quite underwhelmed so far by Jeremy Doku, the club record signing who came in. Um, but he's starting to find his feet, no question. He's only 18 years of age. He's getting used to a new league. Um, if you haven't seen Benjamin Bourdieu's goal, um, check that out on uh, on the LFP's uh, YouTube page. Um, such a simple goal, but a lovely exchange of passes and Doku very, very involved. Yeah, a little one-two, double one-two. Double one-two, yeah. yeah. Just uh, football as it as it should be played. Um, in terms of what happened elsewhere, um, we had a good victory for Mets. Mets uh, beating Lens 2-0. They're back in the top half of the standings. Brest 2, Montpellier 2. Monaco getting a good win. Poor old Dijon can't uh, get points, can't win at, at home. They're still bottom. Kevin Volland scored in Monaco's 1-0 triumph. Nantes 1, Angers 1. Bordeaux winning 2-0 at Strasbourg. Saint-Étienne and Nîmes, two struggling sides, playing out a 2-2 draw. We've got a full round coming up uh, this Wednesday night, so it's time to go on a bon voyage. Um, we'll check out the, the latest uh, COVID restrictions before we book our trains. But, um, but here we go, round 17. I'm going to go to Lyon because they're going to be top of the tree at Christmas. That is my prediction. Um, One of the concepts that we've all struggled with in the time we've been working in French football is autumn champions. I've not heard anyone mention it this year because we're not strictly at the halfway point of the season come Wednesday night. But I'm going to say Lyon are going to be autumn champions. I think it's autumn champions as of today because in France, autumn starts today. So even before week 17 could be autumn champions. Lille. Could I don't understand it. Though. I don't understand why they're not winter champions. Why they're autumn champions? Because autumn ended uh, yesterday. Today, today's the first day of winter in France. It's it doesn't start on the first of weeks, December. Though the weather. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to Lyon. Lyon. Lyon <laughs> going to win because and uh, and Lyon will be win, top at Christmas. And they're going to be top at Christmas. <laughs> Just uh, some of the some of the big matches before we before we go to Robbie Paris Saint Germain at home to Strasbourg. That is at uh, nine o'clock in France. Eight p.m. on BT Sport. This Wednesday night, um, 
also kicking off at 8pm in the UK. Montpellier against Lille. So tough, tough game that for Lille, who will be looking to finish as autumn champions. Um, Lyon at home against Nantes. Uh, what else tickles your fancy? Um, we've got Rennes against Metz. That'll be an interesting one. That's kicking off at 1900 uh, in France, 1800 in the UK. Um, you can watch all the best league on action, of course, on BT Sports in the UK. Um, Robbie? I think it's uh, a fantastic midweek round with plenty of uh, exciting games. One for the purists, the traditional giants, Monaco versus Saint-Étienne. Does that qualify? I think as as traditional Absolutely, giants, yeah. yeah. So that's a that that's an interesting one. Less uh, traditional, Montpellier versus Lille. I think will, could be a very uh, intriguing clash as well. Montpellier really struggling at home at the moment, but excellent away from home. And Michel Dzakarian has a very underrated squad, a, a squad almost of of extremely talented league arm players, if I can put it that way. Not ones that you think. They can go overseas. They can really make a, a take Europe by storm. The likes of Andy Delors, Gaetan Laborde, Florent Mollet, Teji Savigny, but they are a talented group. They're they're a little bit like a you know their own little Montpellier's own little pirate ship of uh, of of talented players. And then I'll but I will be going to the park. Dave's Paris looking at me. I, I, well, Dave I, looks like what, a pirate, so maybe yeah, he was. He was I was wondering that... why you were talking about pirate ships. I kind of got a little bit lost in that. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Brittany. Who's going to walk the plank? <laughs> well, we've already yeah. had three coaches walking the plank uh, this season. Does, does no one else agree that Montpellier have a, a certain identity and a certain style yeah. of player? And a... they'd, they'd also, if Ligue 1 just became a playground fight. They would win. They'd win. Exactly. I was going to say they're a bit like a a Wimbledon crazy gang type, except they're not quite that much. But they have Hilton, the 43-year-old. I'm starting a campaign for for Arsenal to buy Andy Delors. Really? He's he's, he's the man to save Arsenal's season. He's just, he's brilliant. Love him. Well, I love him too. Scores goals, makes goals, and he's just got that combative. But failed at Wigan will do it at Arsenal. Yeah, he failed at Wigan. But But could he do it outside of what they've found? The the thing, what I like about them is perhaps it's not a pirate ship, okay. There, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a chemical laboratory where everything has just come together perfectly at this moment. There you go, okay, Robbie. This is there's why, chemistry. This the, is why we Mosson. don't have champagne usually in podcasts because you, you just we just lose you. Rambling, um, I'm, rambling. I'm, I'm going to Brittany because I need some fresh air, and I'll try and convince Robbie to come because I think he needs some as well. Ren against Mets, <laughs> um, and then I can head on to the coast after that. That's that's the only reason. Although. Although it is it is potentially a good game. I like I like Mets. I like the way they uh, they play to their strengths and stuff. But uh, um, it's been a lot of fun, guys. Um, the bottle is empty, and uh, hopefully it's been an entertaining uh, listen as well. We'll be back with a new uh, podcast very very soon, of course. Thank you for joining us um, on Le Bourgeois from uh, from Robbie Thompson, David Cross, and me, Matt Spiro. It's time to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Au Revoir. Bye bye. Christmas, everyone. Bon Stay safe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Sensational. Oh.